We've had visions with Bill DeWitt III over the years. I think even a couple of times this season, maybe before things started, coming out of the lockout. It's hard to believe everything that's rolled into 2022, a baseball season that almost didn't happen. You had the lockout, and then all of a sudden, teams scrambling to get to spring training, hurriedly getting to the season. How are they going to get all these games in? Will they play less games? Then they figure it all out and come up with three extra games first week in October. Somehow it all got pulled off at the last minute. And then for Cardinal fans, that March scrambling included adding Albert Pujols and getting Molina back into camp. And the fond farewell for both, tied at the hip in many ways for years, saying their goodbyes together. Still sort of strange with Adam Wainwright, who I don't know what he's going to do, but I still feel like he's going to retire. I didn't feel that way about a, until about a month ago, and it just it, it seems to be heading in that direction. But the farewells have all been for Yachty and Albert, and we wanted to talk to somebody who'd been around the entire time, which is only a handful of people. We'll build it with the third team president. Uh, was it the team president when Albert and Yachty arrived, but was certainly working for the organization? And it was fun to go back and look at those drafts in 1999 when Albert was the 13th round selection. I wanted to know what Bill DeWitt III remembered hearing about Albert Pujols then and Yadier Molina, a fourth round pick in 2000. And if you go to Molina's Wikipedia, there's a lot of stories before he was drafted, how he did some individual workouts, including one in Cincinnati, putting on a show defensively. And I believe it was Bob Boone and Johnny Bench, a couple of great catchers, you know, one a Hall of Famer in Bench. They attended the workout. And somehow Molina still didn't get selected to play for the Reds. Ended up in St. Louis. By the way, that 2000 MLB draft, first-round pick for the Atlanta Braves that year, Adam Wainwright. Again, those two forever linked. So the visit here on the Kilcoin Conversation is with Bill DeWitt III, the Cardinals team president, about the early days of Albert and Yachty, and then rolling into this season, have they ever seen a mid-season explosion in terms of fan interest and tickets being purchased? I'm sure there have been seasons before where people bought a lot of tickets going in, but I don't know if we've seen anything late in the summer where it just took off because of Albert Pujols closing in on 700, the team playing great baseball in August. And it's fun to just sort of walk back over the years the early descriptions of Molina he couldn't hit. He would just be a great defensive catcher, and all of that has been rewritten over the years. The Kilcoin Conversation, coming to you from the Pasta House Studios, prepared fresh, everyday, family-friendly atmosphere. If you have not been to the Pasta House lately, it's time to get back and enjoy that great Italian food. Probably one near you, 19 area locations, the Pasta House Studios for the Kilcoin Conversation. As we say that, we're getting ready. Well, we're getting ready to eat, getting hungry. Longtime sponsors include Triad Bank, neighborhood friendly bank located in Frontenac on Clayton Road, and the new location. I'm used to always talking about the one second location on Olive Road, just west of 270. Home loan, car loan, business loan. Make sure you're talking to the folks at Triad Bank, based in St. Louis since 2005. So all of the decisions are made right here in town and they are immersed in the community involved in so many different charitable endeavors great people at triad bank 
Marita Villa Senior Living, looking forward to those fountains turning red. It's that time of year. Got to remind Fred, flip the fountains red for Cardinal Playoff Baseball. Corner of Clayton and Wide Monroe, which means you can easily drive by and check out the fountains all during a red October. And if you'd like to look into Senior Living, take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. That's M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A.com. B&G Tuck Pointing. The best in the bricks. Maybe it's a chimney. Maybe it's a garage. Maybe it's an entire home or a business you own. There are brick buildings all around St. Louis. And if the tuck pointing needs to be done, that's not something you can sort of just Google and do it on your own or figure it out. It's not going to work out right. Get the best in the bricks at B&G Tuck Pointing. Also, waterproofing, foundation repair, 363-0525. The number to call for a free estimate on the work that needs to be done. Call my guy, Rich Galati at B&G Tuck Pointing. Appliance discounters, not just the best appliances at the lowest prices, but also a great service team. Had an issue with our ice maker. My guy, Sean. Shout out to Sean from Appliance Discounters. Came out, figured it out within five minutes. He said, I can show you what's wrong here. Had to do with the auger and the ice machine. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but he did. And he identified it immediately and said, let's just order that part right now. Great service from the Appliance Discounters repair team. Instead of waiting weeks to get something fixed, you can get it done in days. Appliance Discounters. They're all around the St. Louis area. TheAppliancedscounters.com. Lowest prices on the best names in the appliance world. And now let's get to it. Our visit with the Cardinals team president, Bill DeWitt III. Billy, I wanted to ask if you can remember even. Now we're going back a ways. The first time you even remember people talking in the organization about Albert Pujols. Drafted in the 13th round in the summer of 1999. I'm I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of talk back then about a 13th round pick. No, I definitely don't remember hearing his name in the draft. You know, we usually, um, uh, you know, understand and know kind of who those first five picks are maybe as far as, you know, like me and uh, others. But, uh, of course, the guys that were part of that draft remember it. But, you know... um, we, my dad also chuckles that that we almost couldn't get it done on a signing basis over like I don't know it was ten grand or twenty. It was like, wait, this guy wants a little more than we're willing to give him at thirteen. Um, you look back on that and just laugh. Were they driving a hard bargain because they knew, hey, he's pretty good. Like he was underdrafted. Like he should have gone higher. Do you think that's why the no, money, or no, it just happens sometimes? I think formulaically, you sort of expect a certain bonus at, at each round, and now it's very formulaic, right? We've gotten to it's part of the CBA where it's formulaic on draft pick comp, but back then it was a little bit like the Wild West. You know, you you slotted people in based on precedent and things like that, so you could hold out as a player a little bit more, and um, you know, demand a little more and create problems in negotiating so it was a little sticky there but we got through it obviously and I do remember though um, hearing his name because he got called up um, at the end of that first year to AAA and hit like an amazing you know game-winning home run where they were in the playoffs and then he comes to spring training the next year and it was sort of the famous Bobby Bonilla gets hurt and I remember the meeting with Tony where um, he was saying, I don't know what to do because these guys, meaning, you know, the other, some of the teammates were saying, you, you can't leave this guy off the roster. He's 
not going to cover off the ball. <laughs> but he was so young, we thought he probably needed another year in the minors. And then, you know, Bonilla gets hurt and rest is history. Yeah, I think it was McGuire who said, don't be an idiot or something. Like, <laughs> and he had the cachet to say that to Tony, like, you got to keep this guy. But it's, but it's McGuire to Tony and then Tony to Walt, Yeah, you know, at that time. And then Walt to my dad kind of. He stays. Saying, yeah. yeah, yeah, making those, those calls because, you know, it was basically a ground up uprising to get this guy on the roster yeah and the first round pick in 99 by the way chance capel for those scoring and i had to look it up to be fair and then in 2000 fourth round pick is yadier molina first round that year sean boyd second baseman 13th overall i remember the name blake williams a pitcher later in that round and this is a great example of in sports especially baseball like, you don't nail everything, right? Everybody wants to buy, hey, how come that guy didn't pan out? And they're like, well, the guy in the fourth round, Molina, ended up being pretty good. Uh, when's the first time you remember hearing about Yachty? Yeah, I remember um, when he was in the minors, there was talk about him being incredibly incredible defensively, but wasn't sure if he could hit at the major league level. I mean, that was the rap day one. And um, so he comes up in 04, and he, you know, and the, and the whole thing was, um, Matheny being available to mentor him, and um, it was pretty clear. And, and Mike did actually do some of that. I think there's credit to be awarded there to Mike, but even he, I remember saying, like, I don't need to do much for this guy defensively. And, and Matheny was a top-notch defender. I mean, he was incredible defensive uh, catcher. And um, remember he had that arrow set at record for arrowless streak and stuff. So, um you know, I it was just okay. We got this great catcher. Maybe he'll hit. Maybe we won't. Um, you know, from good baseball bloodlines. Obviously, right. you know the two brothers. So we were we were excited about him being that guy, uh, uh, but our expectations were were reasonably low offensively. And remember, he didn't hit. He had some terrible statistics. And God bless Tony because he would get mad at all of us for bringing it up. And he would say. He could hit zero. It's fine. And, you know, nobody wanted him to hit zero. But I think that's one of the great stories about Molina is the hitter he became and a clutch hitter. And you look at his career stats, a number of years where he's hitting 300 for a guy who doesn't run fast. That's That, to me, is much of his story is great defensively is how he became a great offensive, maybe not great, but a very good offensive player at times. I agree. And I think what it shows you is the importance of having a game plan for your particular set of skills and I think Yachty as much as any player I can recall as a hitter he had a game plan and he stuck to it you know he um, would go the other way he um, was looking for that first pitch fastball throughout his career to get it in play and um, pitchers knew it so he would sometimes play that cat and mouse game a little and, and make adjustments when he needed to but basically he had a consistent approach to the plate that served his skill set very well, and it served him well for the entire time. And then this season, the two of those back together, great friends. We know Albert gone for a decade. The fact they kind of had this farewell together, what have you seen just in response from your fans, excitement, energy? There's been a lot of big moments around here, but this just seems to be really unique, what we've seen outpouring, even from other teams. you got a surfboard, a golf bag. I mean, just the fact they've done this together on the way out – What's, what it's, what's it been like for you to observe? Well, there have been so many great storylines this year, and certainly that is 
right up there, you know, top of the list is is that um, kind of the reunion with Albert and and what it means not just for Yachty and that relationship, but with Wayno and then the young players. Uh, you can think of Yepes, who he's really helped and as on his way up. And um, I think it's it's fun that when he hit 700, that Burleson hit his first because right. it's like. What a memory for Burleson, you know, not only um, just such a special night all around. I mean, when you look back, it'll probably be as big a night for him in his career as it is for Albert in his career. You know, one and you only got 699 to go, but you got to start somewhere. Um, But that relationship we knew was special, and now it's just on display this whole year uh, in the dugout and between um, Albert and Yachty, and it's fitting, I think, that they're going out together. You know, we have that, that... cool um, thing planned on the final home game um, where really you can say a lot of the same things about both guys and we will um, because they've just been incredible franchise icons obviously um, Albert went away for the decade and came back but how lucky are we to get that reunion because I think there was so many people that just felt like you know there wasn't a proper send-off there you know it was a free agent deal in the offseason and um, went separate ways, and we we did fine. I mean, we got to the World Series in '13, and um, fans I think were ultimately okay with it. But this was almost like a surprise reunion that's gone so well. And then we think of the phases, like in spring training. I think a lot of us said, "Well, he may not hit a ton, but it's going to be a fun story." And if he struggles mightily, boy, what do they do? Do they have that discussion now and say, "If it doesn't work out"? We don't want to have to let you go. I think they had to think that way. And then at the end of June, he's got four homers, and we're not even mentioning 700. So I, I think probably even within the organization, it's like, hey, it's okay. He doesn't have to. It's, he's here. It's a farewell. It's great. It's amazing how quickly it shifted. I mean, do you, like 700 was a thought in March. By July, we didn't even talk about it. No, you're absolutely right. And, you know, he was selected the All-Star game on this kind of legends category. And we all thought that was pretty cool. And then he, I was kind of surprised he chose to do the home run derby. Um, but he did. And it seems like, I mean, I don't want to point to one thing because there's, I'm sure, way more involved. But it's almost like that was a factor where he just, you know, got on a roll in that one of those rounds and was like, wait a minute, I can still do this, you know. And, and so maybe a little bit more aggressive at the play, whatever it was, you know, in his approach, it seemed to tie in with that experience in LA with the All-Star game and and um you know I, I think also for for Albert um you look at what he did in the second half here this year and you realize like you can't count out greatness and I think Tony made that point at one point never underestimate greatness and he said that um he said that a few times and and he's right because you know Albert's a transcending player and um you know, there, there's just no script. Yes, he, there's age decline. Yes, there's um, certain skill uh, nuances that, that uh, are affected by age. But there's also intangibles. And I think he was, is inspired by this reunion with Cardinal fans and with old teammates. And, and, and that's actually probably the thing you could point to the most, which is because what else are you going to point to? There, there was nothing that would tell you um, from an analytical point of view that he was going to do anything in the second half. And yet look what he did. So all you can point to are the things that 
we all sense as either athletes or fans or um, watching a lot of sports, sometimes intangibles can have an effect. And with a great player, you know, they really can. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I want to go back and look because even when he heated up, there were all these percentages. Well, he still has a 12% chance. He's, and everybody in St. Louis was saying, you're not watching. You're not paying attention. He's going to do it. And I even tweeted once, okay, I think it was in Pittsburgh, and he hit a couple. I said, okay, it's no longer if but when. And people said, oh, don't jinx it. I'm like, are you kidding me? You could just kind of – did you sense that too? Like forget, hey, he has a 12% chance, a 10%. At a certain point there, we said, he's going to do it. I was noticing about – a few weeks after the All-Star game, how really good his at-bats were. And, you know, I was never trained as a scout, but just watched a million games. And I'm like, you know, he's taking cuts that are, you know, swinging at strikes and letting balls go. And, I mean, you can just see that when a player kind of seeing the ball well is another way of uh, describing it, baseball, baseball people. That started a couple weeks after the All-Star game, and it hasn't stopped. He's taken incredible at-bats. Even when he grounds out or whatever, it's like deep in the count. He's not swinging at balls and um, hitting it hard at people when he's making outs. So uh, I think, for me, that approach somehow changed in a positive swing. And um, like you said, the results are there. And I I never thought it's inevitable, (laughs) even when he was on a roll, until – he hits that homer in Wrigley, you know, one nothing. We win that game. It was an important game. I'm like, this guy is locked in right now. And, I, you know, just don't do anything. Keep that mentality, and you're going to get to 700 pretty soon. He hits so many big homers. That's it. They're not what we call vulture homers where you're winning 12-1 to or losing 12-2. to He gets them at big moments. How about from the fan reaction? Have you seen an in-season – kind of surge like this with your fans wanting tickets. I know there was excitement for the reunion theme back in March or April, but it feels like mid to late summer, people just kind of all of a sudden went nuts. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, we we revised our attendance budget up several times throughout the season, and I think it's not just the winning club. That's a big part of it. It's, um, you know, the the biggest uh, attendance we've ever had was the final year of Bush 2. And number one, we had more capacity, right? But everyone, the theme kind of was you better go one more time before it's torn down. And this feels a little bit like that. You better go see Albert if you haven't seen him. Um, And you see a lot of kids in the stands this year, parents taking him, grandparents taking him. Danny's telling us every night, you better get here, folks. He sold a few tickets on the broadcast. He definitely has, which we appreciate. (laughs) But... um, I think there's a little bit of that just you want to be able to say you did it. You saw him, and um, that's that's been a part of that. Because, you know, he has said it's over after this year. And, um, you know, we might – we're going to have hopefully a playoff series and maybe even go deep into October. So it won't be the last, I hope. But certainly where you can buy a ticket right now and know you're going to see him, um, there's only one weekend left. And you don't have to give anything away. I was there when Lou Brock retired. I remember they rolled out a giant boat – these guys have been getting get, – is there something special in store? If fans are here, they're going to see something unique. And I don't know what you give guys like that because they've already got everything. But how, how give us a little sneak peek at what Sunday might be like. Yeah, we um, – one of the challenges for Sunday is that there's such high expectations for a big ceremony. 
And, and we would probably do something bigger and better, but for the fact that, number one, it's a game day, and number two, these guys need to get on a plane and go to Pittsburgh afterwards and play three more on the road. So we're going to do it at the beginning. And given that they're going to play after that, we have to make it sort of short, but it'll be about 30 minutes. And um, we've got some fun stuff to give them, and I think, I think fans will appreciate it. And um, I won't give away the script, but um, it will be a touching 30-minute thing and then a ball game, you know. So uh, it'll be different and unique. I, I inv- we, we looked back at a few things. I think um, we went all the way back to Stan's retirement. I think that, that was a game day. He played that, that day. Um, and it was a th- pregame, I think. Um, we looked at Tony's. We looked at a few others. So there's a little precedent there. And we've got some great seasoned employees that have been around through, you know, for this whole time and remember those. So um, the other thing I was going to just mention about the fan stuff is that I used to talk to people and say, well, if we ever got the DH in the National League, would um, – would you guys be up for that? You know, if I'm speaking to groups, and raise your hand if you want the DH. And literally, nobody would raise their hand in St. Louis. I think this year is probably the perfect way to transition to the DH for Cardinal fans in St. Louis. They probably theoretically still have a problem with it. But, boy, I mean, without that, I don't think you, you have what we did with Albert this year. And final thought, how about for your dad? How much has he enjoyed it? Because I know it hurt him when Albert left to have this kind of finish this way. How much has he enjoyed the ride? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I, I think we always knew that we were going to reach out when it was over for him um, and try to get him back in the fold somehow. I mean, it's no secret that we're thinking probably, you know, a statue someday and Hall of Fame, obviously, all that. But um, we were just a little nervous about well, what does that look like for us, you know, in, in the relationship. And obviously, you know, that's no concern anymore. He was able to finish here. And um, it's just a perfect cherry on top of what's been an incredible career. It is amazing to think back. We were talking about Albert Pools 21 years ago at spring training. Yadier Molina debuted 18 years ago. And it was that 2004 season where they got to the World Series and he checked David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. Remember, one was on deck and one was at the plate, and Molina thought they were stealing signs or something, and he called them out as a rookie. I think I should look it up. I should know, and now I am going to go look it up. Next time I'll remind myself. Before bringing it up, know what you're going to say. But it was those two for sure, Ortiz and Ramirez, and Molina called them out during the 2004 World Series. And that Molina home run, this would be a different topic one day. Either Rick Hummel or Dan McLaughlin. Greatest Cardinal home runs, of course, Ozzy and Edmonds and Jack Clark and David Freeze. So many huge ones over the years. But where does that Molina Game 7 NLCS home run at Shea rank among the Cardinals' all-time great home runs. That's sort of fun to think about as well. We'll have more baseball content as we roll into October. Best time of year. Best weather. Love this time of year. Get an Oktoberfest beer. Sit outside. Maybe a little fire pit going. Now i got to get to work. This is this is not helping right now as I record this. The Kilcoin Conversation presented every week at scoopswithdannymack.com. Great website run by the Cardinals broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Our segments come to you from the Pasta House Studios, made fresh every single day. Great Italian food. 
wonderful atmosphere for the entire family. You can watch the ball game and sit back and enjoy the meal at the pasta house. B&G Tuck Pointing, Triad Bank, Marie de Villa Senior Living, and Appliance Discounters. So if you need a new washer, dryer, stove, you know where to go. Looking for Senior Living, Marie de Villa, .com for a virtual tour. Triad Bank, based in St. Louis since 2005. And of course, B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks. Their website is bgtuckpointing.com. I'm Martin Kilquin. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon.